evening and welcome to the 477th episode of Travel Witch Radio. I'm your host, Dan Schlossberg, along with co-host Mary Ellen Nugent-Lee, and this is the 11th season of Travel Witch Radio, the show that lets you enjoy the pleasures of travel from the comfort of your armchair. Every week at this time, we talk to people representing destinations, hotels, airlines, railroads, car rental companies, and others in the world of travel and hospitality, from authors and bloggers to broadcasters and publicists. If it's got anything to do with travel, it's got everything to do with Travel Itch Radio. And tonight, we head down to Galveston, Texas, with our special guest, Mary Beth Bassett of Visit Galveston. Welcome, Mary Beth, to Travel Itch Radio. Thanks so much. It's really great to be here. And isn't Galveston an island in the Gulf of Mexico off the Texas coast? Yes. Um, Galveston is definitely an island. Some people don't really realize that. It's kind of like Rhode Island, not really an island. But Galveston <laughs> is a barrier island that lies south of Houston, and there it's surrounded on four, all sides by water. There are two bridges that let you on and off, and then there's a ferry that takes you to and fro the island. Yes. And Galveston has a history as a major port. Is that still true? Yes. So Galveston um, in the late 1800s was a busy place shipping cotton and other goods to other parts of the country. It was a very rich town at that time. And um, now Galveston is a busy uh, port in another way. It's uh, the fourth busiest cruise port in the United States. Ooh. Now, because of the Houston Ship Channel, is the Port of Galveston in competition with the Port of Houston? You know, that's interesting because um, Houston, and this is fairly recently because this is when I, uh, after I moved to Galveston, um, they attempted to have a cruise business from the Port of Houston. But logistically, it just didn't work. Uh, Galveston is poised closer to open water than Houston is. So in that respect, um, we're not in competition. Um, Galveston does the cruises. But, you know, Houston has a very busy commerce-based uh, port. So, you know, I think, I think we both coexist nicely. <laughs> Diplomatically put. <laughs> now tell us about the cruise ships that call in Galveston. Okay, well, here's the great news. Um, Royal Caribbean, and, and I'll remind uh, listeners that this was during COVID, and cruise ships were pariahs during COVID. You know, imagine, uh-huh. you know, all the people massed together and, you know, like together in close contact and whatnot and having fun, <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> um, but, but Royal Caribbean, uh, it vested $125 million in a brand-new cruise terminal that is expected to be completed this November. Um, They're bringing in one of their largest cruise ships. uh, It's Oasis class. It's called Allure of the Seas. And then so what's going to happen is Royal Caribbean is going to kind of move their operation to their new port, which frees their berth for other cruise lines. So we will welcome Norwegian Cruise Lines and Princess Cruise Lines, which will – uh, a company Carnival and Disney, which 
goes seasonally in November and December from Galveston. So we're going to greatly expand our offerings, which will be great. And it's Western Caribbean. So, um, mm. yeah, so that's, that's great news for people who want to go to, you know, Mexico and Roatan and Belize and Jamaica and places like that. Oh, have fun. But we yeah. know Galveston has many attractions, including the Galveston Island Historic Pleasure Pier. I love the name, but can you tell us what visitors will find there? Yes. So there are there are <laughs> a, a lot of rides. It's, it's, so it juts out um, over the water, and what you'll see at the very end is a Ferris wheel and this tall, tall, tall um, device that has these swings that go up and then they spin around and come down, which I will never go on. But So there are swill rides. And then there's an Iron Shark roller coaster that seems to go backwards. I don't understand. But there's ah. also a Ferris wheel and carousel rides and midway games and funnel cakes. But it, it, it's really nice. And, you know, right before it was the, the now Pleasure Pier, it was a hotel. And then Hurricane Ike that hit in 2008 kind of destroyed that hotel. But in the 1940s, that same spot, had a, an historic pleasure pier. Um, so this was kind of a reprisal of that. And, you know, I think it's it's just sort of, you know, the signal to many Galvestonians that, you know, hey, we're back. We withstood the 2008 storm. Um, and here we go. You know, welcome back to Galveston. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Mary Beth Bassett of Visit Galveston, Texas. Mary Beth, let's hear about your six historic districts. We understand Galveston has one of the largest collections of 19th century buildings in the United States. Yes, there are many historic neighborhoods. And, you know, Dan, you, you challenged me, and I found four official historic districts, Strand, Lost by East End, and Silk Stocking. And it's interesting, Ooh. the Silk Stocking District was named after the affluent women who could afford to wear silk stockings back in the day. So, um, but you'll see that many of the homes in those neighborhoods withstood the 1900 storms, and many of those neighborhoods are home to um, impressive Victorian architecture similar to what you would find in, um, New, in the New Orleans area. Mm. How well has the Galveston Historic Foundation done in preserving historic buildings, and did the book The Galveston That Was help yes you know i think the book helped you know to kind of serve as a reminder or like this is what something looked like back in the day and what i think is really important is that the historical foundation um compiles a list every year of historic sites in galveston that are at risk of being lost so what they do is to highlight the area's endangered resources they get public support to preserve them and they have grant services that assist property owners in, you know, rebuilding and preserving the site. They also have, um, which is really fun, a, um, a historic homes tour. So every year they, they bury the homes that you can go into. So imagine you know, you're driving down the street and you see this gorgeous home and you're like, I wonder what it looks like inside. Well, you may have an opportunity to just kind of take a peek inside that person's home during the historic homes tour, which is always a lot of fun. 
so they are they're a great asset to the Galveston community. Wasn't Galveston once the biggest city in Texas and nicknamed Queen City of the South? Absolutely. You know, and this is really interesting. Um, Galveston was home to more millionaires per capita than any other U.S. city in the late 1800s. So this was when the port was booming. So downtown was booming. It was a city of firsts. Um, And it was all before, and I know we'll talk about it, you know, in a few moments. Uh, It was before the 1900 storm. So it was an immigration port. It was a bustling, you know, industrious um, cotton port. Railroads emanated from Galveston. It It was the place to be. And speaking of local nicknames, how about Sin City and the free state of Galveston (laughs) when gambling, alcohol, and prostitution illegal elsewhere during Prohibition made the area a tourist town with a bit of a shady reputation? Yes. So there are still rumors about a mafia influence um, here in Galveston. And you can take tours today so visitors can experience, you know, um, red light district tours, (laughs) and learn about that kind of influence. But I will tell you, um, the Balinese Room was an iconic uh, Galveston institution, and it jutted out, I mean, for far um, on a pier over the water. So imagine, you you walk in, and you have to walk, 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 walk down a long hallway to get to where entertainment and um, the restaurant was. So what would happen is they would routinely get raided during Prohibition, like you were saying, Dan, and so the person at the front would just press a button and it would signal to the back to turn over the tables and put away the gambling, put away the liquor, and by the time the officials got there, they're like, nothing to see here, folks. But eventually (laughs) the law caught on and they were raided from the water and they were shut down for a time. So unfortunately... Mm. Well, I mean, or, you know, it depends on where you stand in these issues. <laughs> <Shut down. laughs> We're talking with Mary Beth Bassett of Visit Galveston. Mary Beth, didn't that laissez-faire era actually persist into the 50s? And then when the state finally cracked down on the illegal activity on the island? Yeah, you know, things definitely got, um, they definitely got more quiet from the 50s to the 80s. So, you know, Galveston, I think, was kind of struggling to find its identity during those decades. And it wasn't until maybe the 80s that, you know, benefactors like the Mitchells kind of came in and and invested. And then it has built up from there for sure. And in 1963, um, one of the legislators created the park board and and said, hey, you know, tourism dollars are going to go to the board and not to the city, so they created a separate tourism entity, and so that kind of helped us align our path in that way. Mm. And also, uh, another nickname for Galveston is the Oleander City. Could you explain that? Yes. Apparently, um, Oleanders were brought to Galveston in about 1841 um, and easy to cultivate. So... Mm. People beautified their homes, the esplanades, and you can still see this today. And there's an an international oleander society um, in countries all over the world, like Japan and um, Germany. And there's a chapter in Galveston 
that's very active. They have meetings, I know, at Moody Gardens every year. So, um, but they're beautiful pink flowers, and you can find them in many places. And so, yes, that's among the nicknames of Galveston for sure. Oh, how about that? Now, tell me, how many hotel rooms does Galveston have? And is there a lot of new building underway? Yes. So uh, Galveston has about 5,000 hotel rooms right now. And there's a lot of, you know, there's building and renovation. So um, we really run the gamut of having uh, a lot of limited service. You know, so you have the chain hotels, but then you have um, family-run and old historic hotels either on the Mm. beachfront or in downtown. And uh, the Hotel Lucene we're really excited about. That's going to open up in the winter so they're taking an old motel and kind of giving it a hipster feel, huh. and they're bringing in a, a really great restaurant concept with some famous um, Houston restaurateurs, and it's called the restaurant's going to be called the Fancy. There's going to be a rooftop bar, and the huh. Grand Galvez, which used to be the Hotel Galvez, is a 111-year-old hotel that is undergoing a, a really major, major restoration renovation and the the owner the new owner is is restoring it to its glory days of 1911 and just you know going through like the the drawings and the images and saying you know let's let's do the same um iron work let's find this fountain let's you know do the floor work and so i mean it's really it was beautiful, you know, when I knew it, and now it's just even more beautiful. So the Grand Galvez is, is definitely a place to see. Oh, like a step back in time. Yes, yes, indeed, and it's beautiful. <laughs> wow. So what are your peak and bargain seasons? Okay, peak seasons. So, you know, Galveston is 50 miles south of Houston, so fourth largest city in the United States, and mm-hmm. Um, on weekends and during the summer when the kids are out of school, everyone comes to the beach. So summer is the peak season. And it's, you know, I'll admit, you know, it's kind of crowded, but I, you know, I think that's job security for me. <laughs> so um, <laughs> shoulder seasons are my favorite. So springtime and fall are, are bargain and um, midweek during those times are even more bargain. So I would recommend coming midweek, you know, September, October, April, May. Okay. As a history buff, I'd like to know how Galveston got its name, where Jean Lafitte fits into local history, and how many different flags flew over the city. I know it had at least four, Spain, Mexico, the Republic of Texas, and the United States. All right. This is where you really stumped me, Dan. (laughs) So I had to, I had to really uh, look at this and learn about it. But um, so I knew that Bernardo de Galvez uh, was the person that Galveston was named after. Um, he was a Spanish soldier who helped defeat the British troops along the Gulf Coast in the 1700s. And so Galveston was founded, I want to say, 1839. So um, Jean Lafitte um, is very popular because. People love pirates. You know what I mean? So he um, – and there's still – there are rumors that persist that he um, – his treasure 
is still somewhere on the island. So no. I don't know if people are looking for it, but, you know, that's the rumor. And then as far as the flags go, um, I read that in addition to the ones you named, uh, France and the Confederacy, which uh, is another flag that flew over Galveston. So. Wow, so that's six. That's great. <laughs> yep, yep. Okay. Okay, you're listening to Travelitch Radio, now in our 11th season with Dan Schlossberg and Mary Ellen Nugent-Lee. Check us out on iTunes or blogtalkradio.com or visit the Travelitch Radio Facebook page. And we're talking tonight with Mary Beth Bassett of Visit Galveston. Mary Beth, we hear Galveston was the first place in the state to have a post office, naval base, insurance company, opera house, gasless-lit streets, and eventually electric lights and telephone lines. Wasn't it also one of the nation's top cotton ports? I think you alluded to that, in competition with New Orleans and the Center of Trade in Texas? Yes, it was. Um, and, and that aligns with what I said about it being the Wall Street of the South. So mm. in the 1800s, I, I, I'm not sure if many people know that Galveston was the second largest immigration port to the United States after Ellis Island. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, in the late 1800s. So a lot of um, Europeans immigrated through Galveston um, and work was plentiful because of um, the, the port and the rail industries. So, yes. And so it was the Wall Street of the South. People were well off. You know, there were, there were families who still have – who still live here today and still have legacies here today who who kind of shaped Galveston's history. And so it's, it's a special place. Mm. And Galveston played an important role in the American war effort during World War II. So please tell us how a U.S. Army Air Corps base became an international airport. Okay, that's also a trick question that Dan sent my way. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to I Dan. <laughs> I did not know that answer. But one thing I'm intrigued about, and and I, I think I'm going to do a little research after this is over, is that it was uh, named originally named for Douglas Wrongway Corrigan. And that reminds me of a Gilligan's Island episode. You know, so <laughs> I would just hate to be that guy. But, yeah, Shoals <laughs> International Airport, as it's known now, is to um, – for helicopters to fly over to the rigs, to the oil rigs. But um, during World War II, I'm sure it was a, you know, a, a great spot to just fly out over the water and to um, aid in whatever need was had to be met during the war effort. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that, you know, Galveston, you know, jumped uh, to service. Mm-hmm. And tell us about the Strand, please. We hear it's the reason Galveston was once called the Wall Street of the South, as you said. So where is it at? What is it? And was it helpful in changing Galveston's out-of-town clientele into family-oriented tourism? You know, um, the Strand um, the Strand is a street. It's a district. And ah. it runs east to west, um, parallel to the harbor it's lined with a lot of victorian era buildings that are 
you know, so downstairs you'll see shops, restaurants, and apart, and upstairs a, a lot of apartments and loft dwellings. There's a, a great park, Sangerfest Park, uh, it, and it's home to fun festivals like Mardi Gras, Galveston, um, mm-hmm. Dickens on the Strand, which takes place uh, during the first weekend of December, um, and a lot more fun things, movie night, music night, concerts, all kinds of things. Um, but, it, you know, it kind of anchors downtown. Hmm. Okay. Bishop's Palace, also known as Gresham's Castle, is a Victorian structure listed as one of the nation's 100 most significant buildings by the American Institute of Architects. And the Library of Congress says it is one of the most representative Victorian structures in the country. Please tell us more. Well, Bishop's Palace is, it is a palace. I mean, it has those rounded turrets. It's um, built of stone. It's beautiful. It's along Broadway, which is one of the city's um, most beautiful uh, streets lined with uh, trees and landscaping. And inside, you'll see um, ornate, a, a beautiful wooden ornate staircase, stained glass, fireplaces, um, and it was once the property of uh, the Archdiocese of Houston, Galveston. It's directly across the street of of a beautiful church, um, Sacred Heart, and so the bishop lived there after the Greshams did. It was a a wealthy um, family, and then now it's in the hands of the Galveston Historical Foundation who, you know, makes sure that it's maintained. And it's open for tours every day. So you can do an audio tour and walk through. But, I mean, it's beautiful. If you come to Gallatin, you can't miss it. I'm coming. And your oldest building is the Michelle B. Menard House, a Greek revival structure dating back to 1838. You also have some other oldies but goodies, including the house where Texas slaves were freed on June 19, 1865, leading to the federal holiday of Juneteenth. We'd like to hear more about that. Yeah. Right. You know, and I can tell you that we're thrilled that last year, Juneteenth, was recognized as a, a, a national holiday. And, of course, Galveston is the birthplace of that because that's where General Granger came and announced to slaves in the South and in Texas specifically that they had been freed two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. You know, so there, was, there was no Facebook or, you know, text messaging like, hey, we're free. You know, so they had to announce it to everyone, and and it was a it was a momentous occasion. So Ashton Villa um, is thought to be one of the places where um, where people learned about that information, and the Customs House was as well. And today, uh, visitors to Galveston can see the Absolute Equality mural that was debuted um, last. June 19th during, you know, when we were a federal holiday. It's a beautiful interactive mural um, off of the Strand. And the Customs House that I just mentioned is going to be the home to a uh, to a June 19th museum. And Ashton Villa, the carriage house, also has um, an, exhi- an interactive exhibit. And Visit Galveston um, offers a Freedom Walk tour so you can download an app and, and look at other places like the Reedy Chapel and the Cultural Center that are, play significant roles in black history in Texas and 
specifically in Galveston. Hmm. We're talking with Mary Beth Bassett of Visit Galveston. Mary Beth, lots of entertainment options in Galveston, including a railroad, flight history, an offshore oil drilling museum, a water park, botanical park, historic mansions, and miles of beachfront. And you did say you have your own Mardi Gras, right? Absolutely. Um, And not many people know that we have the third largest Mardi Gras in the United States. So we're second to New Orleans, obviously, and Mobile, Alabama, which I kind of want to still question. I'm kidding, but still. <laughs> but yeah. um, our, <laughs> our uh, Mardi Gras right. fans, <laughs> it's not a challenge, or it might be. I don't know. But um, <laughs> but uh, we go, it's two weekends um, of parades, concerts, bead throwing, balcony parties, and elegant balls. Um, it, the, there's family-friendly events like a pet parade and a kids' parade. Um, and like you mentioned, the Railroad Museum hosts uh, the Polar Express train ride during the holiday season and features train rides year-round for all ages. The Ocean Star Offshore Drilling Museum is really interesting. So it's, it's, it's an actual um, drilling rig that you can tour, but, it you know, it shows the history of, you know, how people drilled for oil back in the day. You know, those weighted, you know, remember in the cartoons, you just see those weighted suits that people wore underwater. They have yeah. samples of those. I mean, it just, and it, but it just shows, you know, here's an example of commerce and, and how it works. Um, mm-hmm. And then Water Park, Schlitterbahn, Galveston Island Water Park offers water coasters, water slides, and a lazy river. And, uh, you know, Galveston gets between six and seven million visitors a year, and fully a third of them visit Moody Gardens, and that features that botanic um, park that you were mentioning, which is a rainforest, an aquarium, 3D and 4D movies, plus educational exhibits, and it's set among 240 acres of lush greenery. It's beautiful, and it's along the um, the bay side of the island. Great for families, okay. and there's a hotel on site. So, okay. Mhm. And Dan, do you want to jump in here? Yeah, I'll jump in here because we've got to mention the hurricane of 1900. Isn't it still considered the biggest natural disaster in American history? How many people were lost, and how much damage was done? Yeah. So um, obviously, our thoughts today are with um, Florida who are under, you know, withstanding a a huge storm. But yes, the 1900 storm, just um, the anniversary was September 8th of this year, and it killed 6,000, at least 6,000 people, and it just demolished the island. I mean, there are, you will see as you traverse across the island, there are plaques on many houses and, and buildings that, you know, 1900 storm survivor. I mean, it's definitely in the, the heads, in, in, it's in the soul of many a Galvestonian that, you know, we're not going to let go of the 1900 storm legacy. And it's, it's before the Weather Channel, it's before Jim Cantori came to your, to your city, you know, so they just didn't know. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a legacy that will shape Galveston forever. But it made Galveston resilient. We built a seawall, we raised the island six feet, and we tried to prevent 
um, the same damage from ever occurring again. And so far, knock wood, we've been successful in that endeavor. Okay. How can listeners learn more about things to do in Galveston? The best place to go is visitgalveston.com. You'll find blogs, you'll find images, you'll find videos, you'll find events, and you can customize your own itinerary. Okay, that's great. Thank you very much to Mary Beth Bassett of Visit Galveston. Next week, we're going to go to Glendale, Arizona, for a talk with Jessica Chuckman, Marketing Director of J. Lauren PR, to reveal what's new at the lavish VAI Resort, V-A-I Resort. Now, this is Dan Schlossberg and Mary Ellen Nugent Lee saying thank you for your time this time, until next time, good night and stay safe.